Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It is Room 104, and the question we're asking this evening is pretty much about your beliefs around the afterlife and around heaven and hell. Mm, and I'm definitely going to hell. I know it. Uh, well, you might, you've, you've an opportunity and a chance to, to hopefully maybe change. You can let us know what your thoughts are on it. But tonight we're speaking to somebody who was a former staunch atheist, I suppose, and then had a near-death experience while he was in a hospital in Paris. And in that near-death experience, something quite scary um, happened to him. He says he was tormented in hell and has given his the experience has given him a completely different perspective. He says he was saved by Jesus and now he's decided to completely revamp and change his entire life. He joins us live on the line now and he is uh, Reverend Howard Storm. Reverend, how are you, sir? Very good, thank you. Before we get into maybe the near-death experience and what actually that experience was like, what was your life like before that? Well, at the time of this experience, I was 38 years old, which looking back is a great time to be alive because you're not quite as stupid as when you were, you know younger and um, you know you still got functioning body and all that stuff which I deeply miss now in my old age anyhow but I was living the American dream I was a college professor I had a wife two kids uh, two cars um, a nice home you know building up a good pension for my retirement having, having a little success in my profession I was an art professor so my profession was as an artist and I was winning some awards and showing my work and so you know, from um, all um, exterior points of view, uh, everything was good. The only problem was I was an atheist. I, I believed that anything supernatural was just fantasy, delusional, you know, silly stuff. And, um, you know, deep inside, I wasn't happy at all. I was sort of like, a, um, I described it as my melancholy, which I medicated with a fair amount of alcohol, which doesn't really work. Cause no. Alcohol is actually depressant, but you know it, it does give you some temporary relief, and then and you go right back into it, if not worse. So that's who I was. Did you ever believe in God before that? Like, how did you come to atheism? I went to uh, you know Sunday school as a child, and um, as a young teenager, was pretty enthusiastic about the church and God and Jesus and all that good stuff. And then um, because of like all the uh, family problems and stuff like that. My sister stopped going to church and I stopped going to church and I just decided, I, I came to the conclusion and was, I can't blame it on anybody. It was, it was me, but you know, the culture was like basically back in the, I'm talking about the early 60s, it was all about drug, sex and rock and roll and um, you know, what's God got to do with it? Nothing. 
so me and all my friends, we just walked away from the, the church and the whole God thing and said it was all a lot of um, nonsense. And what was the turning point then? What happened to you? You mean my near-death experience? Yeah. So I was 38 years old. I was taking a group of students around uh, Europe. We had spent three weeks in Europe going to museums. and It was uh, next to the last day of our trip. At 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday in Paris, France, I had a perforation of the duodenum, or in simple terms, I, a hole blew out in my small stomach. And the pain was um, way over the top. I'd had some, been some accidents before and experienced some pain, but this was um, on a scale of 1 to 10. It was over 10. And I went to the ground kicking, screaming, cussing, yelling, a real terror, and uh, my wife called the desk at the hotel. They called an ambulance, and they came and took me to the big city hospital in Paris, and I was taken to emergency. They knew exactly what was wrong, and they told me that I had to have surgery immediately or I would die. Subsequent to all this, I've talked to a number of doctors in the U.S. about this, and they said that my life expectancy was between one and five hours. The emergency didn't give me any um, medication because they said it would interfere with the anesthetics that I'd be having in surgery, which I would be having immediately. And they sent me off to the surgical hospital, which was a few blocks away. When I got to the surgical hospital, because it was a Saturday, um, I didn't know this, and I'm sure in emergency they didn't know it, but there was no surgeon available. So they parked me in a room and left me there for 10 hours. Oh, God. And during that time, I never saw a surgeon. I was given no medication. One of the reasons why I want to stress this is people always tell me I had a drug trip. And it's like, no, I didn't have a drug trip because I'd spent 10 hours begging for something and never was given anything. Okay, so you got obviously progressively worse. Oh, yeah, the pain went from a 10 and it got many, many times worse. Wow. So what was happening, now, now I've... It started at 11 o'clock in the morning. Now I'm moving up to 8.30 at night. I knew I wasn't going to make it. Like I told you, the doctors all told me my life expectancy was between one and five hours. And I'm in, getting close to 10 hours here. And uh, it was very, very hard to breathe. I didn't want to die because I knew that when you died, it was like the end, curtain drops, out, over, nothing, you know. And all my friends who are all atheists, we all knew that that's, that's what happens when you die. There's, no, there's nothing else. And anyone that believed otherwise was like believed in the tooth fairy and um, Santa Claus, you know. So nurse came in the room and said that they couldn't find a doctor and they'd try and get one the next day. And with that, I decided it was time to depart. So I said my goodbyes to my wife and we told each other we loved each other, etc. And the big sad departing and um, she sat down in a chair weeping and I closed my eyes and stopped trying to breathe and I went unconscious and then I awoke from that unconsciousness and I felt absolutely wonderful and I was standing next to the bed and I tried to communicate with my wife and with the uh, man who was my roommate in the room and neither of them responded to me which made me very angry because I just experienced this miraculous cure and I was like great you know and uh, they were completely unresponsive to me yelling at them and then I heard people outside the room calling me by name and I went over to the room and I told them that I was sick and I needed a doctor and they said we know all about you we've been waiting for you and you have to come with us so I went with these people out into the hallway and they took me on a very long journey into darkness and it was 
ridiculously, impossibly long journey walking. And as we walked, the group got bigger and bigger of these people shepherding me down into this darkness and pretty sure that this was not good. And they weren't taking me to a doctor. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going any further with you. And they said, no, you've got to go further. And I said, and I refused. And I said, I'm going back. And so they started to push and pull at me. So I fought with them. And I knew how to fight. I played football in high school and stuff. So I knew how to take hits and give hits and stuff like that. And uh, did no good because there were a lot of them. I don't know how many, but there might have been hundreds of them now in the darkness and they were um, taking great delight and playing with me first pushing and pulling and then clawing and scratching and then biting and then ripping me apart they literally ripped me apart and then i was not resisting them anymore i was disemboweled and stuff and lying on the floor of that place and i heard a voice say pray to god and i thought to myself i don't pray to god i don't believe in god and the voice said pray to god and I thought, I don't know how to pray. I don't pray. And the voice said, pray to God. And I thought, hmm. When I was a little boy, we learned prayers. And I was trying to remember a prayer, and I couldn't think of anything. So I was thinking of all the things that I had memorized in school. And finally, I came up with a couple tiny bits and pieces of, like, the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm and stuff. And I murmured them. And with that, the people around me became very angry. And they were screaming at me in very vulgar language that there is no God, nobody could hear me, and they were going to make things much worse for me, and that I had to stop. And that was the first time I realized I could battle them with something. So I kept trying making up things about God, like, God's going to get you, you bastards, and things like that. And uh, it repelled them enough so that they left me alone in that place. And I thought about my life, and I realized, I mean, I'm not going to, I went through my whole life and I realized whatever my life was supposed to be about, I didn't get it. I didn't know I didn't know why I was born. Why was, why was I born to end up in this cesspool? That's what I thought I was. I thought I was in the cesspool. I was sinking into terrible despair and depression at the thought of being stuck with these people in this horrible place forever. And when um, a memory of myself as a child came to me, and we were in Sunday school, and we were singing, Jesus Loves Me, and I felt what I'd felt as a child, that there was this superhero guy named Jesus who really loved me. And when I was a little boy and had nightmares and stuff, I would pray to them and my nightmares would go away. And so I'd give it a try. So I called out to him and he came to me and he appeared first as a little speck of light in this darkness. And then it got brighter and brighter. And he came over me and his hands and arms reached out to me and under me. And when he touched me, all of my woundedness and disrepair reassembled and I was made whole in a matter of a few seconds and filled with his love and then he picked me up put his arms around me and held me tight against him then I realized as I was hanging on to him that we were leaving that place by going straight upwards and then I realized we were moving faster and faster and I was just overwhelmed with emotion and I looked out and we were headed towards what I thought at first was a galaxy of stars and then I realized it was heaven where we were headed towards. Do you believe what? that you you may have gone to hell? Oh yeah, I think hell, purgatory, whatever is um, got a lot of different departments. So it was bleak, like it was dark, it was depressing, it was everything you would think uh, hell would look like? Yeah, in a word, hopeless. The people in hell had no hope and the thing that makes hell so terrible is the people there. I mean, they, they treat each other awfully down there. <laughs> you know, 
because they have nothing else to do. They're like rats in a cage, you know, and they're just, in a sense, gnawing on each other all the time. How long did it feel? I know you obviously don't know, and, but how long did it feel as if you were there for? Well, that was the curious thing. Early on in the experience, like on that journey uh, with those people into the darkness, I was acutely aware that my sense of time was not functioning because when I went into this thing, I said, this is weird. There's like no sense of time in this place. So I can only make up, you know, an imaginary sense of time, which was like a long time, you know, weeks, months, something like that. Not not minutes or hours, but... Oh, it actually f- felt that long? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And what were people doing in hell? I think they're the uh, welcoming committee. When they welcome people, uh, new candidates, which I think they get quite a few, then they initiate them into the um, mindset of the place, which is torment. So they're tormenting each other? Yeah, because uh, when I was a boy, it was very popular. You know, you find a hill somewhere, and then the boys, we would fight for who could get on the top of the hill and who could stay there. And, of course, you know, the whole game was to uh, to keep people from ascending to the top of the hill and then when they got to the top, pulling them off it so that you could then take his place and then you'd be pulled down and then somebody... So that's kind of the the world. They're just fighting all the time for dominance because there's, there's two people in hell. There's victims and victimizers, okay? And you're either, you're either the victim or you're the victimizer. So when you were down there, which one were you? I was the victim because I hadn't learned... The, I didn't know the game yet. Right. <laughs> so when you were down there, could you feel as if you could move around or, or were you stuck in the one place just trying to battle these people away from you? I was in that one spot after we had arrived there. You know. After they tore me apart, I wasn't going anywhere because I wasn't mobile anymore. Um, like when you say they tore you apart, could you feel the pain of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was excruciating. I guess uh, people probably have said you may have been hallucinating or I, I don't know that you might be making this up. What would you say to anyone who doesn't believe this story? Well, of course I've gotten that. And all I can say is um, I'm not making it up and it wasn't a drug trip. It wasn't a hallucination um, that what I experienced, I consider the most important lesson of my life. And I feel compelled to share that lesson because I don't want people to make the same stupid mistake I made. Because there's a simple way to go to heaven. And if you're not going to heaven, you're going to go to the other place. And so I want everybody to go to heaven. And I know God wants everybody to go to heaven. How did you wind up getting out of the situation that you were in? You were obviously, you said you called out to Jesus, you were raised up by him. But when did you find yourself coming out the other side? When I went with Jesus up outside of heaven, he, he and some angels gave me a life review, then he answered all my questions, and then uh, I told him that I wanted to go with him into heaven forever, and he said, no, you've got to go back, and we had a big argument, because I wanted to go to heaven, and he wanted me to come back to this world. He won the argument, obviously, and so I agreed to come back, and he sent me back, and that was about 9 o'clock at night. Nurse came immediately. When I when I came, went back into this world, immediately the nurse came in the room and said, the doctor has arrived at the hospital and you're going to have the surgery. So I had the surgery at 10 o'clock that night. Had you, like, flatlined at any point? Had you, had you kind of medically died at any point? Or did this all happen in a split second, for want of a better word, in, in our time? I know I died, but I don't, I don't have any proof of that. I wasn't being attended by anybody. There's was just my wife and me and my roommate in the room. And what did she say when you came back... And you were obviously feeling better and healed. She was surprised because I I was revived from being unconscious. And um, I told her, I said, everything's going to be okay now. And she cried. And then since that experience, uh, you said obviously you were sick for quite a while after that. And I've had to 
change and readjust a lot of aspects of your life, you know, physically and for your health reasons. But what changed for you then? Well, when I got well enough, I started going to church, local church, and I loved it and got very involved. And after a couple of years, I decided that uh, the church life was the life for me. Um, so this proves I'm certifiably nuts. <laughs> Wanted to be a churchman. So I went to seminary for three and a half years and got ordained as a minister. And that's what I've been doing. I left my job at the university and became a, a minister. And that's what I've done for the past 30 years. So what would you say to somebody who is an atheist? Like, I'd be an atheist. Same, yeah. And I, like... What, what do you say to people like us to try and, like, are we, one, are we going to hell? And one, what, what can we do about it? Well, I'm, I love atheists because I used to be one and all my friends were atheists. So I feel I can totally relate to them. Yeah. And what I tell them is um, you've made yourself your own God, but there is um, a God greater than you. And you need to um, realize that you didn't create yourself and you didn't create this world. And you need to start thinking about um, the one that did and relating to the the creator the supreme being because it's um, a lot bigger than you are your god's too small yourself and does it worry you to see because i know you know atheism is mm. i suppose it's, it's growing and spreading and a lot more people now than ever yes. before in this country and all yes. over the world are turning away yes. from the church i mean does that worry you yeah because okay I, you know, I'm, I'm a churchman, and I've been doing it a long time. I, I know what's wrong with the church, and I know it's um, made a lot of mistakes. But it's made up of human beings. So, um, you know, if you know, people die in the hospital, in every hospital in the world, people die all the time from malpractice and bad diagnosis and mistakes and, you know, stuff. Um, attorneys. You know, don't ever go to an attorney because there's a corrupt attorneys, right? I mean, don't go to the grocery store because sometimes grocery stores um, inadvertently sell spoiled food and people get botulism and die. I mean, people make mistakes. We're, we're, we're a mess. People are flawed beings, you know, and the church has got a bunch of flawed beings in it, too. So I say, give them a break, you know. If you don't like the church, make it better. <laughs> yeah, Um well, obviously, there you know everyone does have flaws, but sometimes the church have gone a little bit further than that, um, which has turned a lot of people here in this country off it. But do you think that if you are an atheist, that you would technically be going to hell if you kind of continued on like that? I have to, I have to hedge this because I, I don't want to play God. I think that that's really wrong to play God and say you're going to hell if you don't do this. I think that when Jesus was asked what must he do, he said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think that loving people, however they understand that or do that, are on the right path, and people that are unloving, hateful, cruel people are actively going away from God, going away from heaven. Right, well, right. well I'll see you in hell. I know that sounds kind of... What? I said I'm probably going to see Cormac in hell then. Two of us. <laughs> we, we well, might. isn't he a good guy? Is Cormac a good guy? Do you he, love him? Uh, do I love him? I don't. No, I wouldn't say I love him. No. No. I, no. He's a good guy, I guess. But he's a. Uh, Sarah, on the other hand, uh, she's got her <laughs> VIP ticket straight into hell. Um, but, um, Reverend Storm, thanks a million for speaking to us today. I said we could literally talk about your experiences forever. It's been fascinating. I've never spoken to someone who has had a near-death experience who has almost died. Yeah, gone to hell. Or who was uh, who has gone to hell and had such a, a turn and a change in their lifestyle. Someone who's gone. You hear a lot of people who are religious and become atheists. I've yeah. never heard that many people who have become who are atheists and then become religious but for so, for someone <laughs> yeah. who has um, 
who maybe want to find out a little bit more about maybe some of the books you've written or some of the talks that you give, where's the best place online people can reach out? Uh, it's real simple. HowardStorm.com. I've got a little website. Brilliant. Or they can just do a Google search. Lovely. Well, Reverend Howard Storm, thank you uh, so much for speaking to us this evening on Room 104. Well, thank you for speaking with me. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.